Thanks for tuning into another segment of Follow Your Beauty, a video podcast where every segment is a journey for a younger looking you. Hi, I'm Dr. John Mendelson, Medical Director of the Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center. We decided to call this segment Mythbusters because we spend so much time educating our patients. And um, the public still has a lot of myths. We're going to talk about this. I'm very fascinated that a lot of these exist, but we continue to hear it every day when we see patients. And for our Myth Buster segment, we've invited Jerry Whitney back. Jerry, hello. How are you, Jen? Jerry has been through. He's had the advanced lifting procedure performed, so he... Uh, is an advocate for it, but besides that, he knows firsthand what the experience is like. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Jerry about that. Stay tuned as well for our segment with Julie Whitney. What's in and what's out. So Jerry, we've talked about some things before. Well, we haven't talked about this specifically. So I just saw the look you gave me when I brought up MythBusters, only because I know that you've shared things with me but 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 just so our listeners know we haven't really re- we haven't rehearsed this at all and i would like to know what you hear men and or women saying about plastic surgery in terms of myths well probably the biggest um, i don't know if it will be a myth yeah i think probably that's what i would say it is people look at me and they go you had a facelift you look normal and I said, tell me what you mean that I look normal. And they say, you don't look like you just came out of a wind tunnel. And so I think that's probably the first one. And I attribute that to uh, your procedure and your talent for helping me come out looking normal. Normal. And um, You didn't start normal, but you look normal. I, I looked, so yeah, I'm more normal yeah, now right. than I was before, John. So I have you to thank for All that. Right. But uh, that's probably the biggest myth is that, you know, people say, well, I had a friend who had a facelift and it looked like they tried to stretch her lip up over her forehead Mm -hmm. or something like that. But yeah, so I think that is uh, a myth. Unfortunately, I think that that myth does sometimes play itself out. That's I don't mean that accidentally, like some people have a good result, some people don't. But so just for our listeners, I know that we've talked before um, on the show about the actual surgical procedure, but I do want to reiterate this because I think this is the most critical part of, of why we'll call it a myth, at least here, because when we're performing an advanced lift procedure, we're not just pulling and stretching the skin, that wind tunnel look. Um, what we are doing is we've got the skin as the top layer and beneath the layer. Jerry, you probably know what that term is. The smaz. The smaz. So it's yeah. called the smaz, and it's a fascia layer. It's a connective tissue layer. Often I'll describe it as similar to a boneless chicken breast, that white fibrous layer before you get to the chicken meat. And so that's the layer that we're really mobilizing and repositioning. And so when I see patients, as I saw you, that's a big fear that patients have regularly patients and significant others commonly have that fear. And so the one thing that we talk about right off the bat is the fact we can guarantee that patients won't look pulled and overdone because we're appropriately addressing that SMAS layer. So I think that's, that's important. So we'll, we'll call it a myth, at least it's a myth here. Um, and I just want to remind uh, our listeners that Jerry has undergone an advanced facelifting procedure as well as an upper blepharoplasty. And so I don't know uh, what other myths there are, but how do you respond? How do you react when people people say these things? Well, the, the, the next thing they say is you can't even see 
where your physician, you know, I, I don't see any marks on your face. So that's the next piece. And so I always enjoy, you know, of course, normally we've had a glass of wine or two when I'm talking to people <laughs> about this. And I always go, look, look right behind my ear here and just run your finger down there. And they go, you can't even really feel anything. And I said, that's what's really nice about the way Dr. Mendelson does this procedure. Well, that's great. Well, you've healed beautifully. So um, tell me, are there other myths, though? Are there, are, is there anything that comes to mind is that, uh, that, you, that you hear? The next thing people do ask is, what's the downtime on this? You know, I've always said, John, you and your entire team did a really good job of educating me what I would expect. Uh, if there was going to be pain, what would the level of pain be? How long would it be before I would be back out in public? And so those were things that I think everybody wants to know. And so for me, um, the level of pain was minimal. I, I think all I did was take a couple of Tylenol that, mm -hmm. that night. I don't sleep well sitting up, but I did sleep up propped up in a corner of the couch. Okay. Um, my head was wrapped, although I think we had some little ice packs in there. All of this was very simple to deal with. The next day I returned to your office with my wife as she came into work and took the bandage, you took the bandages off, you said everything looks good. And um, that night we went to our neighbors for a cookout. And hmm. everybody would, they were like, <laughs> yeah, can we like this? What, what did you do? You look a little puffy, you look, you know, and I explained that I had a uh, lower facelift. And even the third day, I went to Kroger shopping and ran into one of my wife's friends. And the, the same reaction. Like they're trying to look around you. Mm -hmm. Something looks different. And, you know, so I think the myth is that, you know, you're not going to be able to be out in public for days. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we, we hear that a lot also. In probably 20 years ago, when we used to use general anesthesia, and when we did things a little bit differently, you'd leave the operating room. We, we place a dressing, as you mentioned, but you used to have tubes and drains, and there was a blood loss. We probably lose less than a teaspoon of blood during that procedure, and that's because we take our time with the local and go through that process. And I think that makes a big difference in terms of the recovery. Um, I won't say that, well, for patients like you, obviously getting out the first night and socializing is, is exactly what you did. We do see certain people do that. For most people who are concerned and don't want to share things, I think the typical time frame, you know, we usually will have patients come back for that suture removal about mm -hmm. the sixth or seventh day. And following that, for women and for men, a little makeup can be applied. Mm -hmm. Typically, there's not a great deal of bruising, but there's a little bit of yellowish discoloration. It's tight. Yeah. You still have all of those things. But people who are getting back to work, what I'm saying, usually it's about a week or so. Um, so there's a myth there that seems to be perpetuated that we hear a lot, and, and this is what I hear. So patients will come in, and they'll try to time when they should have this procedure performed. Because what they've heard, what's out there in the universe, is that you can only do this once in your lifetime. And I'm not really sure where that came from, but uh, it's true that years ago we used to see patients who were probably the average age was 60s, early 60s, whatever that meant. I think with the popularity where we live now, things are done earlier anyway, but that 50th birthday is a big trigger. And um, <clears throat> so the younger or healthier the skin is, the less photo aging there is, I think the better the results are. So first of all, 
patients have this done at an earlier age, one of the things that patients are trying to prevent is that dramatic change from looking 85, we'll say, chronologic age isn't, isn't the best indicator, and then all of a sudden looking 20, right? It's that big transition. And that's, we used to see these dramatic before and afters because of that. These days, people just want to continue to look refreshed. They want to just feel good about themselves, remove a little jowling, whatever's going on in their neck and so forth. So um, the truth is, we tell patients that you know this will last seven to 12 years, why such the range? I know that seems like a big range. It has to do with elasticity and anatomy and life and smoking and everything else that people do. But um, let's say whenever down the road somebody wants a little tuck up, there's no reason why that can't be performed again safely. Tissue planes are safe, and so that's that's something that we hear hear a lot of. Um, the oldest patient that I have operated on performing an uh, uh, advanced facelift, a lower facelift, an upper and lower blepharoplasty eyelid surgery, and a chin implant, was 89 years old. Wow, 89 years young, I probably should yes. say. Uh, what a great attitude. She's always wanted a better profile, and I mean, it was so much fun. We had the best time with that. So. So the range these days is, is quite a range. I would say that beginning in the mid-40s is, is fairly common. Of course, as we go through the next decades, uh, you know, people who haven't had anything done are, are interested. Um, Jerry, any, any, other, any other myth or any other common misconception? Uh, once again, I don't know if this is going to be a myth or a misconception, but just along the line of what you've just talked about, uh, my wife has helped me... Uh, really take care of my skin daily so I use a product that really uh, keeps it very uh, there's no dryness I mean it's it keeps it very fluid and every day I use a tinted 50 sunblock on my face mm -hmm. and that to me is why I'm the age I am and, I, and not only with what you've done to me but that skin care along the way makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, well, your skin looks youthful, to say the least. So, um, you know, you mentioned something earlier about education, and I, I know that you're part of this series, this True Selfie series, and this Real Selfies um, experience. And um, so we believe in education a lot, and, um, and we really appreciate you sharing your story. And I think for men and for anybody considering it, you've really been a great asset. So we, we really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to turn it over to Julie Whitney, who's probably heard some stories of her own in her segment called What's In and What's Out, What's Hot and What's Not in the World of Plastic Surgery. Can a $10 jar of peanut butter be the key to younger looking skin? And are men considered more trustworthy after having plastic surgery? In what's in and what's out and what's hot and what's definitely not in the world of plastic surgery. I'm your guide, Julie Whitney. Get ready as we tour the world and search the headlines to help you become a younger you. Cincinnati's own Procter & Gamble is in the headlines for introducing a new artificial brand ambassador named Yumi to provide beauty advice to consumers. P&G calls Yumi the world's first autonomously animated digital influencer. Yumi works sort of like Amazon's Alexa or Apple's Siri on an iPhone, but her voice is paired with a digital image of an attractive face. Consumers can turn to her for skincare questions at any hour of the day or night. As a hometown Cincinnati girl, I support P&G and use many of their products, but getting skincare and beauty advice from a virtual person is something I'm a bit skeptical about. 
I prefer to get my skincare advice from a real live person with a medical degree and hands-on skills like the team at Studio A in Dr. John Mendelson's office. I've come to count on them and trust them for all of my skincare concerns, and there's a lot. From which products to use to whether I need Botox or fillers, and what kind of treatment will best resolve my various skincare issues. Now can Yumi tell me that? And although I'm not sure Yumi is all that trustworthy, a recent study at Georgetown University published in JAMA Facial Plastic Surgery concludes that men who have plastic surgery on their faces appear more attractive, likable, trustworthy, and are perceived as having better social skills. When breaking it down by procedure, upper eyelid surgery was linked with increased likability and trustworthiness. Lower eyelid surgery made men appear less likely to take risks, while brow lifts made the patient seem more extroverted and inclined towards risks. A facelift made them appear more likable and trustworthy, and a neck lift made them perceived as more extroverted and masculine. The nose improved their attractiveness. Chin augmentation was the only procedure which didn't result in any statistically significant change in trade perception. Hmm, I know a few politicians that may want to think about having some plastic surgery done. And in China, men are wearing makeup for self-improvement. Yep, male makeup has gone mainstream. And today, one in five Chinese men born after 1995, the so-called post-95 generation, use BB cream and lipstick on a regular basis. Male makeup, just like reading and fitness classes, has become a practical tool to advance socially. Contrary to the Western society, who still may feel a bit uneasy by something considered unmasculine, many Chinese men genuinely believe that makeup can lead to their more attractive selves, making them deserve more opportunities in life and helping them feel more empowered. And a new peanut butter infused with collagen is now on the shelves. Made by Wild Friends, the beauty butter sells for $10 a jar and is available in both vanilla and chocolate and can also be used to make delicious smoothies. So can it really plump and hydrate your skin? The jury's out on that one, but at $10 per jar, I would use it sparingly. And finally, a new chocolate invented by a former Cambridge University researcher called Essachoc has been proven to boost blood supply, reduce inflammation, and lead to healthier, clearer skin in clinical trials. I always thought that chocolate caused acne. Guess I'm wrong. Hey, I have an idea. How about combining the new collagen-infused peanut butter with this new youth-producing chocolate and just eating a Reese's peanut butter cup? Wouldn't this be doubly beneficial to your skin? Hmm. That's it for today's news in plastic surgery. You can see more of my plastic surgery journey and also follow your beauty by going to 351face.com. Why not sign up for a younger you today? That's it for today. For this episode and other episodes, please feel free to log into or go to 351face.com forward slash follow your beauty. You may sign up and log in for a complimentary consultation where we can assist you in helping you achieve your own aesthetic goals. Jerry, thank you very much again for being here, and uh, we'll have you back for a few other sessions. We hope you tune in next time for Follow Your Beauty, live from Studio A at Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center.